All right, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you're doing super well today. I'm getting this episode out a little bit late, unfortunately, just getting over a week of being sick. So my goal is to try to get these episodes out every single Monday, um, right around 9 a.m. earlier in the morning so that, you know, with a new week comes a new podcast. Unfortunately, this one is out a little bit later, but you know what? We're making sure that we're getting it done. So, uh, so I'm happy about that. In the last few episodes, I've talked about some of the first few steps of buying a home, including meeting with an agent for a consultation, setting up a search, uh, getting pre-approved for a mortgage, viewing homes, things like that. I'd like to, again, continue off with the with that same topic and talk about some of the next few steps, right? What happens after this? How do you move from just looking to just moved in? We're going to be continuing that conversation today. so. Let's uh let's just dive right in and start doing that. So after you find the home that you like, what do you do? You can make an offer on that house. But how do you determine an appropriate price? Sometimes the the price that the house is listed at, the listing price does not accurately reflect the the value of the house. So one extremely beneficial piece of information is a comparative market analysis or a CMA for short. Having an agent represent you when you're buying a house is crucial because they can put one of these together for you. And what this will do, a CMA will show you houses that are similar to the one that you are currently interested that have sold in, in recent time. Let's say they've sold in the last year. By taking into account the size, the bedrooms, the updates, the conditions, the features of the house, how many days that the house has been on market, you can take all of that information into account and then determine an accurate price that reflects the the market, the value of the house. So you can determine a price that works for you and also is attractive, hopefully, right? That's ideal. Um, you know, they might be looking for more. But using the CMA, you can determine a price that more accurately reflects the the value of its of the house at, at this current point in time. So let's get a little more specific with this. If you're looking for a house in a neighborhood, um, some that come to mind, some neighborhoods that I think of in Heartland, Autumn Woods, I think of Mill Point. A lot of the houses in those neighborhoods have similar floor plan, similar floor plans, and the houses in those neighborhoods. They, they sell pretty quickly. There's a there's a there's a good turnover rate in in both of those neighborhoods. So, let's say you're going to buy a house in Autumn Woods. Okay, well, your agent can look at what sold in the last year, see how it compares to the house that you're interested in. Maybe your house has four bedrooms, three bathrooms, is 2,200 square feet, and sits on let's say a third of an acre. I think that's roughly what a lot of the homes in this neighborhood are are like. Well, let's see what sold in Autumn Woods in the last year. Okay, maybe this one had five bedrooms and a finished basement, so it's going to be worth a little bit more. Then on the other hand, let's say there is another house that's a little bit smaller. Maybe it's right around 2,000 square feet, doesn't have a finished basement, and only has three bedrooms. Well, okay, using that information, using using the houses that have sold in the last year, you can take all of those into account. You can look at the, the sales price of the house 
adjust for any differences, whether a house has more bedrooms, whether a house has a smaller or a bigger yard, whether a house has newer updates. Take all of that into account and then use that information to determine an offer price for you. So that's why it's that's another reason why it's beneficial to work with a realtor as a first time buyer when you're when you're out looking for houses. So let's say you do all of this, you make an offer. Well, what happens after this? There's a number of options. There are a number of things that can happen. The offer can be accepted, right? Everything might look good to the seller and they might just accept it. Okay, that's perfect. They might reject it. This might happen if they if there are a number of other offers and yours is not not as attractive to the seller. Maybe it's a competitive house and a lot of people are putting in bids. Some people are even willing to spend more than what it's currently listed at. That's a possibility. Uh, that might be a reason that it gets rejected, but there are there are many reasons that that could happen. Or they could counter your offer, maybe make an adjustment. Maybe maybe the seller's looking for something a little bit different. Say you put in an offer at three hundred eighty thousand. The house is currently listed at four hundred, and maybe they want three ninety. There's an example of a counter offer. So these counter offers can go back and forth, back and forth for as long as it takes until an offer is accepted or rejected and no more offers are made. It can go back and forth as many times as, as necessary. But for the sake of the podcast, let's say everything is going well, your offer gets accepted. That's great. Now we're under contract. There's more work to be done. Two of the things that will have to be done are an inspection and an appraisal. So let's begin with an inspection. Again, from Investopedia, here's a great definition. An inspection is an examination of the condition and safety of a piece of real estate often conducted when the, pe- when the home is being sold. So a professional inspector will come look at your home, including all of the, the major heating and cooling systems. They're going to look at the roof, the foundation, the, the water system, the electrical system, and determine if anything is wrong with the house if anything major is if there's any major problems because if if something is uncovered something that your real estate agent didn't notice or something that you didn't notice a, a professional inspector might be able to notice and if they uncover something huge then you might reconsider your offer you might want to back out you might not want to you might not want to put that much money into the house you might want to be moving into a house that's move-in ready. Uh, obviously, it depends on your situation, but it is extremely important to to have an inspection. It, most people are, are going to do them. And if you're a first-time buyer, I, w- I would recommend doing an inspection. An appraisal, on the other hand, is performed by a certified or a licensed appraiser and it's required and scheduled by a lender when a buyer applies for a mortgage to purchase a home. So the reason that the lender wants to do this is because if they're going to give you a mortgage, if they're going to help you finance a home, give you this money to help you purchase a home, they don't want to give you too much. They want to make sure that the house, the value of that house aligns with the the mortgage, with the financing. So appraisals determine the market value of the house so that you as the buyer and the lender can be confident that the price you're paying for accurately reflects the value of the house. If you're buying a $400,000 house, they don't want to give you out a $600,000 mortgage. That's not helping them. 
in any way. So that's why the the lender wants to do that. Um, it's also great to it's also great to have another voice, a another person who is a professional come in and say, "Hey, yep, this is what the house is worth." Now, in both of these scenarios, in the inspection and the appraisal, problems can come up. Right. What if there is a major issue during the inspection or what if the appraisal comes back low? What if the the appraiser says, yeah, I really don't think the house is worth this much. I think it's worth $50,000 less. What happens after that? These are problems that we are going to discuss in the next episode of the podcast. Um, I like this. Uh, I like this topic. I think it's going through the, the process is helpful for first time buyers. And I like breaking it up and I like keeping these episodes about 15 minutes. So. We're going to talk about it next week. With that being said, we'll talk about the motivational topic of the week. And it's a topic that's relevant for, for the new year. So this is my suggestion, suggestion to you. Before the new year begins, obviously people are going to be having setting their, their new year's resolutions, coming up with new goals, coming up with and hopefully developing new habits. And that's all great. This is my recommendation to you in order to come up with with goals and hopefully a plan to develop habits that are relevant for you. And my, my suggestion to you is to find some quiet time and reflect before the end of the year. And there are really two reasons that I suggest you do this. So first of all, I think it's important to reflect on the actions of the year, what you've done this year. You should consider what have you done well. It's important to feel proud of your accomplishments and take time to recognize your efforts because sometimes you put in the work and you don't immediately see the results of, of your efforts. So I think in, in slowing down and recognizing that you're taking the right steps, you'll feel a little bit more confident. Sometimes if you go a month working hard and still don't see results, it can be frustrating. It can be upsetting. Sometimes people go years without seeing the fruits of their labor and that can be discouraging. So take some time, slow down, recognize that there are principles that, that are true. Hard work pays off. If you're consistent, you're eventually going to win, right? The, these are, these are common sayings for a reason because they're true. So take some time to to feel good about what you've done. Additionally, you should reflect to try to think about what you could have done better. I think it's easier to admit your shortcomings in silence. We might have already had the thought like, oh yeah, that was wrong, or I could be doing a better job at this. But unless we slow down and admit that to ourselves, we don't really grasp it. We kind of keep pushing it off or, or we dismiss it for, for some reason. However, if we want to improve, we must understand where we fall short. When we understand where we're falling short, we can address it and then work to better ourselves in that specific area. So those are two reasons that uh, you should reflect on the actions of, this, of the year. I do this w with my work. Um, I did it when I was managing and now I do it in, in real estate. At the end of the day, I don't do it every day, but I, I try to. I try to take some time to just write down my thoughts, um, my reflections, and I'll I'll write on a number of things. I'll write on again what I did well, what I could have done better, and then I'll just also write on things that I learned, because there is usually always something that comes up 
there's always something brand new that I've not encountered that I had not given given thought to, and I try to learn from that. So do this on a bigger scale, and I think it will be extremely beneficial for you. The second reason that reflecting is going to benefit you benefit you is because when you reflect, when you find some quiet time, you can consider what's next, right? Like I mentioned, the new year's coming up. We all know that. You'll likely be hearing about other people's goals, and that's fine. That's great. It's good that other people are striving to be better. Nothing's wrong with that. But here is what sometimes happens. As we get caught up in other people's opinions, we can get caught up in other people's goals. Sometimes I think we set goals based on what we think is right, what other people are doing. And and to be honest, I think that's just silly. You should take some time to slow down and think about what's important to you. Set goals that are specific to you. What actually matters to you? Don't see what, don't take, (sighs) it doesn't really matter what other people want to do with their lives. It matters what you want to do with your life, right? So take some time and slow down. When you do this, when you develop goals that are specific to you, the likelihood that you're going to achieve them increases exponentially. If it's a goal that you truly care about, you're going to put in more effort. You're going to try to be more consistent. You're going to try to take it more seriously. And for that reason alone, you're more likely to achieve it. So that's what I wanted to talk about today. Uh, really excited for continuing this topic. Um, you know, having having looked at homes, having been through this process a little bit more, I think it's... um. I think it's helpful to uncover and feel confident in taking the steps to buying a home. I think it's helpful to to know what's next. Sometimes it's overwhelming when we're trying to make a big decision like this, and we really have no idea what goes into it. So by uncovering, unpacking, digesting, and talking about it, I think it's uh, I think it's helpful. So I hope you found benefit in this podcast. Uh, thank you so much for listening to it. It means means a lot to me. And um, yeah. I hope you have a great Christmas. Hopefully I get another episode out on Christmas Day since that's Monday. I'll have it published before time. Um, So that's the goal. Enjoy your holiday season and take care. 